Oh, hi there. I'm sorry. I was just in the middle of carving a pentagon into my entire torso while catching up with my old pal, the Dark Lord himself. Hey, Satan, is there anything you'd like me to do after I introduce today's guest? Murder the innocent. <laughs> oh, Satan. Tall order, mate. <laughs> you nut. Today's chat is with Sam Nugent, a.k.a. Insamnia. Sam is a prolific tattoo artist and tattoo enthusiast with a pretty gnarly heavy metal style. He's a legend and I really enjoyed catching up with him. Alright, let's get the... Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Well, I have one speed, I have one gear. Go, 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 go. I'll tell you when we're getting into deep, 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 Sam, what's up, dude? How are you, bro? Good. We're on. We're on. <laughs> we're on. Yeah, just say, man. Right. How long's it been? Fucking forever well, since I've yeah, seen you. A long time. Yeah. Well, I was basically 18 or so when when we met. Yeah. You were pretty much the same, eh? Yeah. I was just trying to work uh, out. We're the same age, I think. Yeah, exactly. I'm 32, yeah. about to be 33, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, you look a little different since last time I saw you. A bit more grey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a few yeah. more tats. A bit more grey, a bit more bald, a few more tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, you had long dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. Actually, that's probably a fair change then. Yeah. It's, it's being so long, you forget half of that shit. Hey, I got, I've had a lot of tattoos since then, on my face included, and yeah. I've lost all my hair. Grown <laughs> 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 <Throwing> a beard. <laughs> man, I've got to go uh, through. You, yeah, I've been good, man. I've got to go through some old Europe photos. So that's, that's where we met in Europe. Uh, I think it was Barcelona, yep. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. Spain. I think I've got yeah, a photo. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a photo of me like party days. stretching my fingers through one of your earlobe holes amazing like yep. <laughs> got it real comfortable does not surprise me at all yeah exactly <laughs> so we would hey, have 18 uh, drinking across the world that's what happens oh right? man i was just being a fucking slob around europe it was great <laughs> yeah you have to do it yeah. i think get it out early that's the way to do it mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure Yep. We we would have both been pre-artists, hey. I didn't even know that you were a fucking mad drawer and artist at that time. Yeah, that was kind of my my break from it, I guess. I I'd, um, I'd already been doing quite a lot of art, airbrushing, painting, uh, sketching and stuff like that. And then I'd already considered tattooing before I went overseas, but I kind of had overdone it. Not overdone it, but done it a lot. And I was like, all right, it's time to go away and just kind of, you know, enjoy life, do some other stuff. Mm. And um, really, I think that's when I learned that I missed it and I wanted to do it all the time. And when I got home, that's why I got back into it pretty much full time. Far out. When did you, um, yeah, when man, did you so, start tattooing? So basically what I got home at 21, I think like after I would have met you, I kept traveling a little bit, went and lived in uh, England a bit longer, lived in Ireland, lived in Tuscany. Sick. And then got, yeah, we tried to like keep it going as much as I could just to you know keep that work and holiday visa going. But I uh, came home at 21 because I figured it was time to like get into it. And like, you know, I'd already started drawing and stuffing a lot overseas. Uh, probably probably 12 months after I met you, going back to London and I met a tattooist called Camille. And uh, 
Camille tattooed big piece up the side of my ribs and being quite a long piece, you know, we spent a bit of time together. And I ended up uh, telling him that, you know, I was pretty keen on tattooing and I'd done a lot of art and stuff like that. And he was pretty encouraging. So when I got home, uh, that was it, man. I, I tried to, <clears throat> I got whatever jobs I could to go get some money together and buy all my tattoo equipment. So 21, when I was doing my first few tattoos, I got pretty lucky that I um I got a job with a tattoo supplier around the same time. So Sick. it was, yeah, it was a bit of a different option from going and doing a traditional apprenticeship. I was a bit more hands-on and, you know, uh, building tattoo machines and wow. building tattoo equipment. So it was good. So that's kind of the normal uh, way someone would go, to, uh, like do a proper app- apprenticeship? Yeah, apprenticeship. Would, mm. like Saying normal, there is no normal in tattooing. Like right. it's you know it's part of the art world really so trying to make it into a job over the years people have done apprenticeships where they're just in-house apprenticeships and generally you know they pick a year or two years or four years if it's a bit more old school um and just teach you in-house get you know basically pay fuck off for the first however long and uh slowly teach you how to tattoo so it's not a recognized trade where you're going and getting like ticked off for you know different modules for certificates and stuff like that um and i was pretty lucky that i got a little insight into that pretty early so so instead of it's not like i did actually try to go get apprenticeships like i lived in geelong i got told fuck off a few times i drove off to melbourne and asked people and you know i wasn't getting a very great reaction so I was like, screw this. I've like taught myself most other art. I'll just I'll get some machines and I'll get the boys together and see how we go. <laughs> Fuck. So you were just literally tattooing on your mates and stuff? Yeah, basically I was um I had all my old punk mates that known I'd like been an artist for years and sort of, you know, when I traveled overseas and when I got back, they were all like, When are you starting tattooing? So I didn't I almost felt like I didn't really have much of a choice. I hadn't talked about it for so long. They were like, When are you doing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got home and they all, like, luckily being that sort of crew, um, they all wanted metal and punk album covers, which made it pretty easy to learn for me. Coming from, like, a airbrush realism background, you know, going back to just, like, simple line sort of, you know, monochromatic designs and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. it was a pretty good start to, you know, I kind of had um, permission, I guess you'd say, from, like, the suppliers working for and like the shops around the area to kind of do what I was doing but really I was backyarding um and to be honest most of my generation kind of started like that we all went into shops and asked people you know we have jobs and everyone back in the day was kind of a little bit apprehensive to take on people in the area that they'd lose work and uh, god knows old school sort of stuff but um that basically made our generation just go and do it. So anyone that I know that's basically award-winning artists around Australia, been telling for 10 years, that kind of stuff, all taught themselves. Yeah, right. Is it pretty similar yeah. to drawing? Like, because I imagine it's a whole different uh, a whole different game I mean, once, once you're dealing with depth of needlework and stuff like that. Yeah, a little bit of that. I guess that's what separates it a bit. There's not a whole lot different when it comes to, um, like, composition design application is really where it's a little bit different like you said your needles like adds that sort of um not another level but just something else to think about you know if you're drawing a line on a piece of paper you're pretty much a flat surface and 
you don't really have to worry too much about your surroundings when you're like doing a line on someone someone's feeling it they're breathing you know like all these type of things to take into account and then yeah like you said needle needle depths and that changes on every inch of the body Hmm. and then everybody is different so if i did a calf today and a calf on someone tomorrow same spot same tattoo it's going to be totally different no shit yeah it's going into it every day like not you know if you get too ahead of yourself ah you know the skin's going to be sweet everything's going to be good you're going to get through it that's when you'll come up against something so yeah, you gotta yeah, go yeah. into it pretty fresh every day. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I imagine yeah. like it's uh, because you you are always at least when I knew you and just judging from your Instagram stuff, like uh, you know, fucking yeah. heavy metal and and punk music back then was pretty pretty yeah, sol- yeah, exactly. uh, cemented in your <laughs> like your interest and yep. in identity. So I guess uh, having like friends in that kind of punk scene or world would be maybe the attitude of that like not giving a fuck would actually just really relieve the stress of whether or not the tattoo would not come out all that well because I, I would yeah. shit myself like starting out a it, new trade like that. It definitely helped, bro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it kind of went with that whole thing and like I said, it made it easier that the boys were more that way because they wanted scratchy stuff. They yeah. wanted, you know, they wanted it to look like that. So for me, it was definitely going a few steps back and being able to relax a little bit to be able to do that. And then I started taking on jobs that I'd never thought about before. You know, your old traditional stuff just to get nice clean lines and lettering and you know, tattooing really pushed me to look at a whole different, uh, um, like a whole another variation of art. So I started delving into Japanese tattooing and then flow and, you know, like uh, Japanese, like woodblock and printing. I still believe that's a pretty firm um, uh, like base that I have for my, bioorganic tattoo uh, tattooing and painting and everything now uh, a lot of it comes from what i learned yeah with japanese and just everything about flow and, and that kind of stuff and then i went to you know traditional and oh what else all the realism and all that kind of stuff i mean realism was my my base really from mm. airbrushing i airbrushed from 12 to well uh, let's say 18 when i went overseas and then came back did it a little bit but i was teaching airbrushing by 15 so there was really what I had of like a, a solid like foundation in my head. Um, and then when I started tattooing, the easiest thing for me was just to translate that into, you know, realism, airbrushing into realism, tattooing. It was yeah. just a, a different tool. Yeah. So that was kind of the easy side for me. And then, like I said, you know, t- delving into tattooing, I found all these other types of art. I found biomech more so, which I think... I'd seen that through like pop culture with like HR Giga and mm. um, things like that. My airbrush teacher um, found, uh, showed me Giga when I was, God, like 13, 14. Fuck, that and would that have been a big became, moment. Yeah, a big pivotal uh, moment. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Get- Especially what you said, you know, that I was in that kind of, you know, fuck you culture and mm. Giga was definitely that dark artist that I'd never seen anything like that before, especially yeah. at that point. Uh, yeah. You know, this really creative really dark you know guy that kind of just painted literally whatever the fuck he wanted yeah and then finding out that that translated into alien movies and i wasn't a big movie head until i sort of found out a lot of that stuff and then started looking into you know prop design character design so he did all the I'd character still... design for alien didn't he all the yeah he did yeah well he he'd done most of the character design pre-alien movies and then i think when they were hunting for you know, the character, when they made the movie, they came across Giga. This is 
sort of what I've found now. I mm. haven't really delved too much, but um, and then they basically picked his designs for the movie, and then they got his input for um, background scenes like uh, uh, some of the landscapes and things like that. And then they brought him back for yeah, I think Prometheus just before he, he passed away for some of that stuff. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, so that that was a bit of a game changer for me, knowing he was an airbrush artist. And then, yeah, right. I didn't know yeah, that. He, mm. yeah, most of well, I'd say 90 percent of his stuff is airbrushed, mm. and layers upon layers. That there's five painting underneath the ones that you see. Um, really, he's just yeah, you can tell he's just his creative brain going through it would have just been firing so fast another little thing another little thing oh you know fuck that let's change that and yeah, yeah just man. from what i've seen through books and, and things like that what a what an interesting uh imagination that dude had like so dark so um yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just uh, at that time like, i don't i've never seen anything even remotely similar no and i i, I really like like there's your typical sort of giga stuff where you're uh, you know, the, the well-known pictures, Lee, Lee Tu, uh, you know, kind of all the, the main faces with the biomech around them and stuff like that. But when I found some of his earlier books, I think they were like 1964 to 84, uh, he was like very experimental with a lot of stuff. He was obviously coming out of, out of school or university or whatever, and he was, you know, sculpting, um, building machinery. He was just obviously a very creative, like conceptual brain. And filmmaking, prop design, like printing, uh, ink work. So I think looking at him, I kind of wanted to do all that stuff. Yeah. And I got the same, you know, when my mom took me to Italy when I was 15, when my sister lived overseas, which is a very big reason I went and did the same thing. Um, and I found all Da Vinci and Michelangelo and all them. And it wasn't just the art that grabbed me it was like when we went to the museums and i got lucky i got the book and stuff like that you start looking through these people's lives and see that you know they weren't just stuck in one place they were like sent over here to go commission a work and they'd they'd tried 10 different styles of art and you know they're known for one but i just liked that drive and that push that people had to kind of try everything yeah yeah totally man Um, and god your your style is really um you've just created something that's so uniquely you as well um again you, you said like biomechanical right that that seems to be like a real it's it's like the sort of generic term like what i would say that i do would like i'd say more bioorganic. Mm-hmm. like the old old biomech stuff was your very like terminator style mechanical parts and torn flesh and stuff and i think that's evolved quite a lot um that's in the tattoo sense you know in the in the Giga sense, you've got like biomechas that very repetitive, uh, like pattern, pipe patterns, and it had a very organic feel to it as well. It was like it was very balanced between a mechanical and a bioorganic hmm. um, surface sort of thing. So I tend to go more towards the organic stuff. I find like the mech side has been done within tattooing, so I sort of try not push that. I steer away and sort of try to push this more organic side, which I think is, has become more my sort of trademark. And yeah, like I said, it's been a, a combination of learning, you know, everything from Giga stuff to Japanese tattooing, then into like realism and, and it's all borrowed from something else basically yeah. and put together into what I do. Yeah. yeah. 
Man, it seems like um, so many of the tattoos that I've seen over the years that you do, like you don't seem to do all that many like small little ones. They're all fucking gnarly <laughs> as fuck, huge, yeah, entire ribs, to be like side of the head. I can't, like it actually blew my mind how many people are just down to get their fucking head done. <laughs> Me too, bro. It's crazy. Me too. Like now if I do a tattoo that's just like, you know, the size of my hand and mm done then i'm like oh god it's, it's done in one go that's pretty strange yeah i'm so used to I, I think it goes with the style of tattooing i do as well mm. like it's be, being so organic it flows with the body and i can kind of apply it to any part of the body and i'm at that point now where if you just gave me like the flat part of an arm or a leg it's kind of boring i'd rather mm. do the weird stuff so i can really get into the anatomy and the shapes and the, the movement of that area so all your um, designs will be completely uh, based on uh, that person's where where it is on the body and pretty much yep bang yeah I'll like have a like an idea we'll have a consult beforehand to work out the area and stuff like that but if they are just going for a you know a bio organic piece something that I do it's more so just tell me the area and then I've got a few different styles so process of elimination of um of what kind of style we end up with but yeah it's more so just show me the spot and I'll start free handing and see how Sick. we go. Awesome, man. Yeah. What are your What are your client What's your client base like? Like, do you are, are these people who will just kind of uh, because because your style is so specific and it's um it seems like it would be more a lane of of tattoo um design that people would it's go su- surprisingly varied, right? Like, there's definitely a common like a common link between me and my clients. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty open with who I am on the internet or yep. whatever, you know. I smoke weed. I love aliens. You know, travel the world. Like, whatever. I don't. I don't really hold much back. So I find by doing that, I get pretty like-minded people. Mm. Um, and yeah, saying that they can be from all walks of life. So I mean, my main client base tattooing would be more like twenty, twenty-one to to forty. Mm-hmm. Um, I find like. It's not all tradies. I got heaps of guys that had to wear suits and like you know office jobs, or barbers, or <laughs> uh, you know whatever. But I'd say probably like fifty percent of my clientele would be tradies, right? And then, oh man, I tattoo a lot of tattooists as well. So mm. let's say nearly fifty percent would be tattooists, like thirty percent tradies, and then the rest is yeah, pretty varied, but. No matter where they're from, they seem to all share the same common thing. I can sit there with someone for most of the day and be like, hey, you believe in aliens or you see a UFO? And I'm going <laughs> to get a, a pretty cool response rather than just someone look at me like a fucking weirdo and, <laughs> and shut up for the rest of the day. Which, don't get me wrong, I do that too. Like, I still tattoo religious pieces for people. And I'm like, have you seen my Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pentagons and 666, left, right, and center. Yeah, like, and I was brought up Catholic and I. I read too much and I, I'm not a big movie buff. I watch docos and stuff like that. So I love the pieces that I do, even if they're all traditional religious pieces or anything, because quite often I'll know the piece or the person who did it or, mm. and I can give them a little bit of knowledge and man, some people are pretty shocked at the shit they put on their body. I'm like, do you know what that piece was? All right. <laughs> Inform them a bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. a lot of people, it, that's what blows my mind. The amount of shit that people will get that don't even understand what they're getting. Mm. They'll get it because of like cultural pressure that they were brought up a certain way or, you know, mom will only let me get a tattoo because it's Jesus or something like that. And I'm like, ah, whatever you got to do. Bro. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And people that are like in their forties and fifties that are still too scared to get tattooed because of their parents. Yeah, their wow. parents, you know, what they're gonna say, I yeah, man. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> surely by now they'll get over it. <laughs> my mom had a couple of cries when I tattooed my face. Oh. No, it wasn't a tattoo. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw any of the scarification I got. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, man. I saw this one photo where, I mean, <laughs> I think I think the turning well because I've I've followed you for a while, and um, I think the yeah, turning yeah. point was when I first saw you got this uh this one on your neck, which is like this kind yeah. of monster ghoulish jokery <laughs> smile with like. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, yeah. I can see it, man. That is, <laughs> I just remember seeing that, and I was the like, covers most of it now. Yeah, I was like, oh, ho, 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 that's fucking intense. Um, that was kind of the turning point because that was that was it. That, that was the was tattoo. Tw- yeah, bro. That yeah. was twenty one, twenty two. It must have been twenty two because I think I'd been tattooing for a year. Fuck, that's ages. And ago. I was like, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's pretty old, man. It's yeah. pretty good. I think not shaving too much, keeping it out of the sun, <laughs> being the being the good one. Um, <laughs> but I think I'd been tattooing a year, and I was like, this is what I'm doing forever. Fuck this. Yeah. And. The best way to do that was to just fully, you know, fucking chop myself in the deep end and tell yeah. my throat. And just commit. That yeah. Was, yeah, it was it was a good push. It was something I wanted to do anyway, but then I kind of held off making sure that I was going to be good at it and it was going to be something that I wanted to do mm. for long enough. And, yeah, I think it was a pretty easy decision once I'd, I'd started doing that. And then, it was, yeah, there was no turning back. Were you nervous <laughs> when 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 you kind of made nah, that decision? I was so or? excited. Yeah, it was more after. Like people always say, you know, do you regret? It's never regret, but you do have that little fucking that moment after. You're like, holy shit, I just tattered my whole throat, and like you walk down the street, and when it's fresh, yeah, right, there's no, no hair on my face. Oh, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is everyone looking at? <laughs> and now I'm so used to being stared at. Like I walk down the street with the missus, and even she's pretty used to it now. But it, you know, a few years ago, walking around, she's like, everybody is staring at you, and I'm like, I don't even, I don't even notice it anymore. <laughs> doesn't even, yeah, doesn't even affect nah, it doesn't you anymore. register with me. Yeah, no, nah, well, I'm around it all the time. Everyone around me in my tattoo shop and mm. stuff like that is as tattooed as me, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I barely see it. Yeah, and being on my face and on my neck and that, I can't actually see it. Yeah. So I walk around. I'm like, well, you know, I see the few on my arm, few on my legs, stuff like that. Mm. But uh, if I do look, yeah, there's a fair few people having a look. I don't know what you can see there, but I mean, I've got my I'm scars. Pretty, and I'm my pretty familiar with them all. Yeah, that snake's <laughs> yeah, sick, exactly, dude. Right. Have you done any? Yeah, um, sorry. No, that's a yucky sober. Um, one of the dudes works down down in Melbourne here. Sick. He nailed it. It's yeah. awesome. Um, have you done any of uh, any like pretty big detail ones on yourself? I started tattooing myself when I first started. That was kind of like one of the easiest, you know, fucking need clients, want to tattoo all the time. Yeah. Let's just do it on my thigh. Mm. And yeah, I did it way too big because <laughs> I could never be fucked finishing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and years later, I kind of had it on top of my, my left leg, on top of my thigh. I'd done one piece on the back of my calf in London living over there. Uh, and I just think I had a random, a few random like pieces that I'd done myself, like hand poke and whatever. When I was like fourteen, fifteen, on the inside of my leg. Yeah, you had and a turd on your, you had a turd on your calf. Yeah, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, I was taking That's a shit now. and I thought I'd draw a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good idea. While we all had tattoo machines out, I was like fifteen. I tattooed the back of someone's neck, like the day before day after. I can't remember what it was. So yeah. I had a pretty early start trying to get into tattooing, but yeah. I learned just to do it the right way, <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of the right way. I still backyarded. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Um, let's nah, talk but they got they got covered, and then I ended up giving the rest of my leg to my mate. He filled it in with like a massive Japanese piece to to fill in with what I did, and and yeah, the leg got full eventually. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. The last thing you want to do after like getting into tattooing full time, like you know, that was the first few months. Then after a year of tattooing, I was tattooing five, six days a week. And the last thing I wanted to do was sit there and hurt myself and tattoo myself. <laughs> as far yeah. as like uh, body parts, does it kind of like, I imagine, you know, is it kind of a, you know, it's, it's like real estate really, you know, there's the obvious spots, the, the arms, the legs, 100%. but I, I imagine like, you know, the getting, getting the right artists on like, well, for you and uh, your mates that I've seen on your Instagram, like is, yep. is, is your head, your head's the kind of, that's the, that's the prime real the estate, isn't arms, it? I guess like, my arm is still free. My no arm shit. and hand. I got like I got the other arm and hand and most of this one done. That's weird to but, see um, a clean arm on you. <laughs> yeah, and this this has only been like the last even this arm has only been the last couple of years. Cause to me the arms and hands were the prime real estate. Because I could see them like, yeah, your head and all the rest of it's out mm. there for everyone else. But I wear a hat every day. Mm. It like that has never changed. Yeah. So the the head to me was like, eh, it's out there, but it's gonna be covered. The next same deal, it was like, oh, it's always covered by a bit of facial hair or something. So to me, the hands and arms. So I've waited to get like my arms done from people overseas when I've traveled, like Jesse Levitt when I went to the States and then Benjamin Lucas uh, has done a lot for me. Um, then I came back and got my bosses to kind of fill in some arm, Tattoo Benny and Marshall, Third Eye. Uh, and that's so that's been the last few years while I haven't done as much traveling. Mm. And then this arm I'll save because this was started by Camille in London, like way back in the day when we knew each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always like, do I go back to Camille and get the rest of my arm done, you know, years later? Yeah. And just kind of finish off that journey. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> and, he, and he ended up doing my throat when he came over to Australia. So it was a bit of a choice. It was like, oh, finish the arm, we'll do the throat. And I was like, nah, fuck that throat. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like an opportunist uh, tattoo collector. Yeah. So really just, I've been pretty lucky to be in a few cool places, traveling around tattooing and being in a lot of cool shops and shit. So, you know, if I'm around someone awesome, like you said, you just kind of pick the spot that you think they're going to be the best at and what you can get done while you're there. And yeah, man, I've pretty much filled up my body like that. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I've got yeah. baby virgin skin, man. Like I feel like there's you two. You still got nothing. Nothing, man. I mean, I've, I, it's, it's weird because like I That's love harder than. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love tattoos. I've, I and I, I have, I kind of always have, but yeah, I think the the main deciding factor for me was when I was probably just after you know around the same age group when I first met you. I um yeah. I oh man, when I was when I was a young one, like late teens, I was just trying to be fucking tough. I was just a little dickhead. Um, Same. And I was yeah. And like I remember seeing like a whole sleeve of like a tribal tattoo design, and I remember thinking that's yep. fucking sick. Like I should probably yep. get that. And I just reckon if yeah, I had that, probably. yeah, if I had that now, it'd just be yeah. easier to kill myself than to actually just deal with it. So yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I guess there's two trains of thought with tattoo. It's not giving a fuck, and everything's just a. Um, it's a story there's of, of facts, where you yeah. were in life, and then there's. Yeah regret which you don't want you don't want that um and some yeah, people just I don't have that. i call mine memory stamps yeah 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 like i remember pretty much where i was what i was doing when i looked at like each of my tattoos yeah some of them not the best and i don't like that much anymore some mm-hmm. have covered some have lasered so 
I mean, you definitely have that hindsight looking back and you're like, oh, you know, I got tattooed too young or something like that or just, you know, certain times of your life, decide mm. certain shit. Um, I mean, there's a lot of regret when it comes to getting tattooed. A big part of what I do is like cover-ups and stuff like that. Yeah, um, right. Because like there's – it's like victim to the, you know, to the fad, to the trend. There's always those things out at the time where years ago it was magazines pushing tribal or pushing – you know, whatever it was at the time. Mm. Um, we had Japanese sleeves all through Melbourne and Australia for years. Everyone had the same koi sleeve and all that kind of crap. And then went to realism, I believe, was pretty much the next phase. That I mean, it's going to stick around. It's going to become a, a staple of mm. tattooing. But the things that you do inside realism, you know, it was pocket washes for ages. It was like fucking rosy beads. There's always been a certain thing. Um, now I think it's gone to geometric and, you know, whatever but people will look back and kind of say oh there's that five-year chunk of people that got tattooed it's like oh yeah you got tattooed in 2007 yeah yeah okay (laughs) so i think you did well to not fall victim to that trend oh it came close a few times i came close yeah yeah yeah. Um, there's always like an up people say what i do is just an updated version of tribal you know it's no different it's just spikes and flow and using the anatomy and stuff like that it's just fancy tribal Ah, fuck those so. people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind it because I had a bit of a laugh. I used to think, oh, you know, fuck that. It's a waste of like an arm. Hmm. Now I'm like, oh, I'd, whatever, I'd give it a go. I just fancy it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about your yeah. scarification, man, because that was another moment where I saw on Instagram that just fucking blew my mind. The amount of people that didn't know you that I just like showed the photos. So you got this like pretty cool kind of, I guess, line work with yeah. a, Yep, that's it. And then you this, fucking this ate it. This one was the first one. You ate uh, it, didn't you? Yes, I don't know whether you saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just the thing. That was like, uh, you know, in, there's not many people in the bod mod scene, right? So there's yeah. only a kind of, I don't know, let's say like five main guys that like do do most of the shit. And there was, <laughs> it's not like a running joke, but there was a running thing, you know, in a lot of the internet, Beamy Zion, it was back in the day, like chat rooms and magazines and whatever. It was, you know, you get a piece of skin cut out of you, you eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd seen it enough. And by the time we had the you know, film crew there, and it was my first one, yeah. I was like pretty nervous and just had the thing chopped out the side of my face. And I think my adrenaline was pumping and I was having a laugh. And there was a couple of boys there that were like, are you going to eat it? And I was like, oh, I don't give a fuck. It's, you know, it's me. It's a part of my body. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. It, it seems less weird than just going, here you go, in the bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then someone was like, you're going to cook it? I'm like, no, that makes it way weirder. I'm just going to eat it. Right <laughs> and I just, it was mostly for a photo, man. It was, you know, stick it on my tongue, get a couple of photos, and then just chop, chop down. I was, it was weird. I remember thinking, man, <laughs> that guy really is metal as fuck. Like, that's as heavy I think metal. that was a part of what it was. <laughs> I mean, being 32, I look at that now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that again. But I'm you glad know, you did. Whatever age I was then, 25. Yeah, I was like, fuck it. Who cares? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Join what? the crew. It was a bit of a, a pretty a small crew to join. And I was, mm. Yeah. I was happy about it at the time. <laughs> what does it feel like, man? Because the actual, like, straight after the skin is cut off, like, that is the most yep. gory, gruesome shit to look at. Um, I was looking yeah, at one today. I mean, it looks. It looks pretty gory and stuff, but a few injections to stop a bit of bleeding mm. and just to sort of help you along a little bit. A lot of that hurts and then the cutting, <laughs> don't necessarily feel all of it, but I've had enough of them that I've felt a lot of it and it's just pretty hot, yeah. but it's it's quick. And then, man, straight after, not bad. 
couple of hours later, yeah. trying to like have a shower, clean it, stop it bleeding. That's when it's bad. So the one on the side of my face, you, most people would have seen the most, like people call that my Harry Potter one because it almost looked like a lightning bolt. <laughs> and then I got one under my eye because I had a dermal that like came out and gave me an ugly scar. So What's a dermal? Like a upside down. Uh, like a um, piercing hanging out, yeah, but right. Not going through something, yeah. Yep. So like yep. the face piercing, and mm-hmm. it half got torn out. So I just took it out and then ended up getting like a little triangle scar mm-hmm. underneath my eye to cover where it was. <laughs> then we did the crop circle on the top of my head. I don't know Bullshit. if you that one. That was no. a pretty big one. So Whoa. where the moon is is a part of the crop circle, and then there's the hole above it. And then there's like two planets, a line, and another planet down through, basically through my third eye. I've got like a little chopped out with a hole. Whoa. That was my biggest one. That was the worst. That, I like, bet. I've, I've never really come close to passing out or anything like that, but that when I got home in the shower, the amount of blood oh. in my eyes and trying to clean it and the pain was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't wear your hat that week, did you? <laughs> nah, well, uh, do you want to hear something funny? So that, <laughs> that month, I had just made the call to a Freemason uh, lodge. So I, I decided, fuck it, I'd been learning about it for years. And you whatever. joined? And I was like, no, I was joining, yeah. And I'd already called them like a week or two before and we'd organized everything. And I was, I'd met a couple of the boys and then come down to the lodge and meet everyone the next week. And it just so happened we had to do the scarification that week. And I came in. And they're like, lift up your hat and show us all your tattoos because they saw me, you know, a few weeks before. I was like, nah, nah, you're not <laughs> no saying that. They're like, what? I was like, nah. I was like, you can just wait <laughs> until it's all healed. <laughs> I came back in the next month and they were all like, what the fuck? <laughs> wow. Uh, which is pretty funny. They're very accepting of everything. Yeah. So now I even had a bit of a laugh and whatever. And I'm obviously the tattooed guy at the lodge. And, and yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a running joke every month. What You know, what's new, what's new? And most times there's something so yeah so you've um again like you it seems like you've got a lot of uh mutual interests to mine you just seem to uh go fucking Mm -hmm. go for it um you know aliens fucking cults conspiracies um and (laughs) yeah you've got like the kind of freemason uh logo in the background there or is that yeah yeah you can see that yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, that was like one of my um one of my banners i did for uh for a tattoo convention Mm. and I figured, you know, just start using it a little bit. I've been I've been a mason for four four and a half years, something like that now. So why did you want to join? Um, like basically everything you just said. Uh, yeah. Like I'm sort of delving into all that stuff, and the more you read books and go into all, like documentaries as well. Mm-hmm. I try not to go down the YouTube rabbit hole. I was always more yeah, read I'd... as much as possible, and yeah. and um and that kind of stuff. And a lot of what you read sort of pointed back to Freemasonry, whether it was putting blame on it or whether it was just sort of that secret society that people didn't really, it was always that full stop in the story. People sort of, oh, you know, blah, 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 Freemasonry, not really much more we can give you from there. So I was on that, you know, if you can't beat them, join them sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd heard of Masons in my family. I tried to sort of track it down and uh, it was a little bit hard. It was like great grandfather and a great uncle and I passed away. So it was more so the family just talking about it. And that's when I was just like, you know, Let's go have a look on the website. I found Freemason Victoria and just gave them the call uh, and sort of went through my situation and they were very uh, welcoming and, uh, you know, you don't really know what you're stepping into when you first start in any of that kind of stuff. But from the knowledge I gained through the books that I found and everything, it seemed like the right step at the right time. Uh, it's basically um, 
what's the easiest way to describe it to someone? It's a society of morals, if anything. So we're not anything religion-based. I've always been pretty against organized religion and stuff Mm. like that. So I had to be assured at the start it was nothing like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And pretty community-based. We we meet up once a month and we sort of raise money and we do our thing and and all the rest of it. We can't do it at the moment because of COVID, which Mm -hmm. sucks. We've not really been able to meet most of the year. Uh, We're starting to go to online platforms, which is pretty interesting it's a 300 year old society and you'd swear that some of the guys who run it are 300 years old (laughs) you're like it's taken them all year just to work out how to use zoom so (laughs) yeah yeah we're going to be doing stuff like that now which is pretty interesting but it's next gen you know i'm hopefully i'll sort of uh, be in a position in a couple of years to help run the lodge and stuff like that really i'm I'm pretty into it Mm. yeah i try i try pretty hard to like learn what i can and and do all that it's I find for me that life that I lived, which was always sort of on the brink of, of, you know, the rules of society and all that shit. I was hanging around, you know, black clubs and stuff being in the tattoo world. Um, and just all those sort of seedy people, underworld people and that. And it was very easy to be able to head towards that. And I didn't really want that. The more you look into it, there's not really much in for anyone. You know, it's, it's yeah. a quick life. Yeah. Um, and then luckily seeing all that and then, just doing my own research and finding Freemasonry, it helped me a lot. I would have, I think I would have ended up in a lot shitter circles if I hadn't have found it. And mm. uh, I've met a lot of good people through it. It's encouraged me with my art because I've found out, you know, a lot of good artists over the years were Freemasons and commissioned for a lot of big works and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just, it's added another side to my life and it's pretty funny. I can say I'm in a cult, you know, everyone's like, is it a cult? You're like, well, man, it's the closest thing you're ever going to find. It's, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, <laughs> It's not a secret society, we say these days. It's a, it's a society, society with secrets, you know, and yep. it's pretty openly out there now. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a couple of mates join that have been interested, so I've helped get them in. Um, you know, a few of them really enjoy it. Some of them sort of just tape it off. Uh, it's not what everyone expects. You know, everyone expects you're going to be sacrificing goats and women or whatever. Just, just keep that <laughs> to your private time then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What so what's what's your average uh, mason like? Uh, you said well, a lot so of them pretty old. In or? My lodge, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but very varied too. So like I'm in a country lodge. So when I lived out in Yarraglen, I was living out in wine country for a while with some of the boys. Um, that's when I was sort of at, at peace with a lot of shit. I was out away from the city. I was like being a lot more artistic and creative again. I had a bit more time, and I joined a country lodge. And all the boys there, you know, were like they're all hard workers. So they're working at the vineyards or um, all that kind of stuff or laborers and, and tradesmen. And then, man, there was, what do we got? We got doctors and lawyers, just a general sort of like, you know, forklift drivers and stuff like that. There's no one type of person. Mm. So we're pretty open to any type of profession or any kind of stuff like that. Uh, there's we sort of have stuff in place where they try to make everything as equal as possible so there's a reason you know stuff i kind of can't say but we all wear gloves just to keep us all equal to each other so back in the day you couldn't tell the difference between the lawyers and the tradie fans and we all wear the same thing for the same reason no one can be fancier than the other person so you know i'd say i mean when i went into the lodge the average age was like 50 um Mm. But when that average is out, you know, you got your few 30s and 40s and then most of the guys I would say were in their 60s and 70s and then you got your couple in their 80s and stuff. And 
we've had a few guys in Lodge pass away since I've been there, um, which I've now discovered that's just a part of this sort of old society where you've got a lot of old boys that hang around these things because they've lost mates. And a lot of the guys were in the war. You know, you get a lot of vets come through looking for that brotherhood, you know, uh, after, after war and stuff like that. So we've got quite a few vets in our lodge, our worshipful master. So the guy who runs the lodge is a, he's a vet. He's done quite a lot of tours and, um, yeah, I've even got a bit to do with those guys now. We are trying to organize a painting class for vets through that now. So a couple of the guys I know through um, through my Yarragland Lodge, uh, Kevin and John, they work to help get vets their payments when they get home and sort of you know help look after their mental health, stuff like that. Uh, and when I'd suggested about doing painting classes online and for, you know, for people that I knew, uh, John... Uh, put his hand up straight away and said, you know, you've got heaps of vets that would love something like that. And and we're sort of on the path of when COVID ends and or whatever, when stage three or two or whatever we go back to and I can start teaching people, they'll be some of the first in. And uh, yeah, awesome, man. It'll be a pretty, yeah, pretty good is way it a, to go with it. Is it, a, is it a declining society in terms of like uh, membership joining these days or is it, um, oh, I've lost Joe, are you there? Yep, yep, yeah, I was going to um, say. So, yeah, is uh, it declining or is it are the membership still pretty steady? Um, of new, I'd say at the moment steady, hmm. and I'd say that was because of a bit of a push because it was declining. So it was a society that like almost got too secret for a while, right? And it's it's had to go back and forth over the years anyway. Like, so uh, let's say after the first and second world war was probably some of the biggest influx when all those guys come home looking for the brotherhood. Now it's like a big boom. Um, then post-war Mason went through a bit of stuff in a few countries where it wasn't really that loved. So there was a bit of a battle that, you know, so my grandparents say that you were a Catholic or you were a Mason back in the day and you weren't really both. And you kind of like picked a side. And if you were one side, then the Catholics didn't really like you much. So you were pretty secret, Mason. Nah. So like, you know, your 50s, stuff like that through the 60s. Then that next gen came through and all the sons of them started joining and then usually swaps the generations. It's like quiet for one and then no one shuts up about it on the next one. Uh, then um, I think just before I joined, they were talking about numbers declining through Victoria and through Australia. Uh, Victoria got down past like I think we have 12,000 and had 15,000 or more at one point um, and I think now the push from my generation starting to go on Instagram starting to go on Facebook there's now Facebook like group chats and pages where a lot of that stuff wouldn't have been available to any of our gen beforehand or next gen so you know, for me to go look for it, I had to trust some pretty shitty websites, go buy some books that you don't really know who they're written by and eventually find, you know, some Mason authors and stuff like that. It took me a long time. Whereas I find if someone wanted to go learn about what it was now, it'd be a piece of piss. You know, right. you go find a few Instagram and Facebook sites and you'd be able to read half of what we do on some pages anyway. So I think that's helped numbers build again. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more people my age or younger starting to join um, through different avenues. They're finding these things on the internet and stuff and going, you know, it doesn't look so dark and scary and cons like conspiracy is actually, you know, mm. looks appealing to people now because I believe Freemasonry knew it was starting to become like too secret and not talking about anything. It was kind of 
it's always been a part of it that you just let people talk shit about it and whatever. We, we know what we do. We don't really care what people think. Hmm. But um, I think it had been shit on so much with so much conspiracy and YouTube pages and the websites everywhere that it kind of had to come out and go, hey, we're not that bad. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you, it's, you would have got into it through your interest of conspiracy theories, I'm assuming. Yeah, basically, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. How, how long have you been a Mason now? Like four and a half years, going on five. So has has that inform has that re uh, jigged your entire kind of? Uh, I yeah. guess yeah. How you know? Do you still the, believe the in the Illuminati the, or? The, yeah. Well, the Illuminati was something real. Yeah, it was something real years and years mm-hmm. ago. And I guess the question is like, do people believe that it's still what it was and exists to this point now? I don't know about that. Yeah. Because, I mean. Just out of personal interest, I looked at all that kind of stuff anyway, like saying just like going down those conspiracy rabbit holes. And it had its mission statement. It had its like little secrecy, its way of staying quiet. The the link between Freemasonry and Illuminati has always been that people that had this Illuminati group were in Freemasonry. So they understood the system or the tiered way that it worked um, and the way to keep secrets between certain people. So I think it was... Freemasonry just became a, like a transport system for their idea for a little bit. It's not like any of it was a part of Freemasonry. They just happened to do both. Right. Um, then the idea of like the Illuminati controlling everything and like, you know, fucking, I don't know, music industry and movies and all that sort of shit. That's, I mean, it's a nice idea, but that's a fair stretch that something had stayed hidden for 200 years, passed on through enough people. And, you know, kept its mission statement all the way to this point of, you know, fucking destroying religion, government, and money. I think the world's doing that itself anyway. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've gone so, through the ebbs and flows of it all, you know. Like, I was I was yeah. pretty fucking convinced around 2012, 13. Um, yeah, I was probably about the same. Yeah, it kind of took a, a bit of a turn. And, I mean, I guess, look, again, yeah. I, I don't know shit. You know, I don't know because every now and then, nah, some and I, I couldn't tell you much different. You yeah, know, I go to a little local lodge and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I understand that there's a lot of degrees and in, in what I do, and you know, I'm sort of still at the lower end. So to say that there's not some crazy shit going on up top, who the fuck knows? Still, mm. but I, I don't put it down to these secret societies and these groups meeting up and having these like cauldron meetings and stuff like that anymore. I think. It really just comes down to business and things like that. Yeah, just greed. Um, I just think it's more likely it's yeah, exactly. greedy people at the top just strongholding yep. their profits, really. And and don't get me wrong, they might all be Masons because it's just that group where, say, all these rich people are in, like it's different again in America. So to try to speak of what it's like there compared to here, mm. it's literally like a whole different world. That thing is the same but doesn't translate the same. They run it different. So maybe every governor over there is a Mason. I know a lot of police in America get uh, bought into Freemasonry. Basically, when they join, you know, um, join a police station or whatever, one of the boys says, yeah, you're a copper now. You should come down to this lodge. We all meet once a month. And they don't know what they're doing. They just go join it just because. So, yeah, you know, it's different everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'd say, yeah. I believe that these people are in societies and stuff. I think it's it's more the the ones you don't know about, really. I think the idea of Illuminati and shit like that, nah. It's just secret business deals going down mm. in fucking, you know, 
high up places basically yeah man i love that you joined dude that's uh that's great yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's so good not, huh? yeah man fuck it <laughs> and that's the thing i mean yeah. i kind of went through a similar thing it's just like if it's gonna things like that again around 2013 for me when those ideas yeah. were they were just dominating my uh my everyday thinking to yep. the point that I was yep. just becoming the annoying as fuck guy that was linking everything to the secret societies and stuff. So, I mean, yep. for, for me, I um, I volunteered to uh, – I, I went to Bosnia and volunteered to yep. help excavate the Bosnian pyramid, which turned out – Yeah, to, there you go. But, you know, that was kind <laughs> of my journey of, all right, well – if I'm going to talk yep. about this every day and annoy everyone, I might as well find out for myself. But um, yeah, no, that's fair enough. I think that's like you've got to be proactive and do that. Otherwise, people are like you know, didn't you go crazy? It's like, well, you do if you sit around and keep thinking about it, and you know, just have these same reoccurring, reoccurring like stories and patterns mm. of what you think links up. But when you get yourself out into the world doing what you did, you go actually see history for yourself, or go join one of these groups for yourself, then then you can relax a little bit because yeah. all this anxiety of what is, what is, is kind of gone. I so, like that you said also you avoid the YouTube rabbit holes and actually read books because that that's a really great uh, bit of advice, I think, for – because, you know, look, I'm, I'm not – a huge believer of conspiracy theories so much, but I find them extremely interesting. I mean, some I do, but yeah, um, I'd say I'm on the same path. I still yeah. find them all fascinating, and I, 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 it's probably a little addiction of for me. I talk about it way too much on this podcast, but um, but no, yeah, read right. the book. It's, it's that little like guilty pleasure every now and then. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna delve for an hour or two this week and just see where my brain goes. Like you said, everything with a grain, like pinch of salt, or mm. um, but. Like the even the just the term conspiracy theory or whatever, it's so broad these days from anything little to you know something so ridiculously over the top that it's it's pretty hard to say. Oh, you know, I kind of I believe in some, but then mm. you know, there's some out there that you're like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it just puts me in with too many fucking crazy people. But <laughs> I think the world runs as it runs and. You know, history can be erased through fires and wars. So I don't think we really know where we've come from and we mm. kind of make up the story along the way. And Yeah, I, I think uh, like history, besides all this sort of stuff, uh, like aliens and conspiracy and everything, history is probably my, my most favorite subject. Like if I was ever mm. going to go back to school or whenever I read and stuff, it's it basically historical based. And I, I love prehistory because... I think it goes with that mystery of everything that we've been saying that we don't really know our prehistory. We don't know what happened coming out of the ice age and, you know, how we developed into what we are, you know, this supposed farming, uh, you know, hunter gatherer to farmer to starting to build cultural sites. And then what we are now, I think saying that we live in this like 5,000 to whatever you want to say, 10,000 year history, of everything that's been built, I think that's where we kind of get mixed up and that's mm. where we can so easily say, oh, you know, the aliens built the pyramids. No, I don't know. We don't know who built the pyramids. You mm. know, maybe they were built 15,000 years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe the Ice Age and all these things that we had have helped erase this sort of history. And I think that's where we're, like more where I'm at now. I don't believe everything's aliens and conspiracy or, you know, these like reptilians come down and we've only been here for so long. I think, I think we really just don't understand where we've come from at all. Mm. Yeah. So yep, that yep. puts this big, you know, gap of knowledge. Yeah. 
You a Graham Hancock yeah. fan? Yeah, massively. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah, me yeah. too. So yeah. Well, what did you find when you went and uh, excavated pyramids? Well, the thing was, right, so have you heard of this uh, this conspiracy theory, the Bosnian pyramids? Nah, no. Nah. So there's um, – I was just watching all these uh, YouTube um, you know, like fucking three hour le- yeah, yeah. lectures yeah, yeah. of this uh, Bosnian doctor dude. And hey, saying that I haven't watched them, I don't worry, I've watched yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, just- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, there, it, it, there seemed to be this uh, pyramid in, in rural yep. Bosnia. And you, yep. you think, okay, right, it's, it's meant to be, uh, you know, like four times the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza in um, yeah, Egypt. Yeah. Um, anyway, you think, oh, right, then you see the photo of it, and it's. Um, it looks from the top. It looks very much like a pyramid covered in vegetation, yeah, yeah. Um, just a green. Uh, and apparently, the sides face north, east, south, and west, like yeah. pretty. That's so I'm pretty like, convincing. that's pretty yeah. fucking cool. But to be honest, <laughs> yeah. like having gone there, it was the whole thing. I was there for two weeks in rural yep. Bosnia. The whole thing was yep. camp conspiracy. And yeah. for me, it was like, ah, oh, these are the people who make these fucking three-hour-long videos. These are them, yeah, and they're exactly. all paranoid, and they yeah. don't—they don't even trust each other. They're like fucking nah. backstabbing. You're like, you know, he's not really an archaeologist, and you're like, and then you—it's yeah, like conspiracies so, within yeah. the small group. And to be yep. honest, all the evidence that I saw, um, it looks yep. convincing at the start, but then when you start asking a few questions, well, I yeah. found um, it kind of started. Uh, falling apart, it falls a bit. apart too quickly, and they, yeah, yeah, like this. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of these things come from. People have these like very one-sided arguments and a couple of good points, and mm. that's all you need to convince the masses sometimes. So yeah. I didn't uh, see any evidence. To, we'll put it that way. No, it's good that you actually went and mm. and discovered that and didn't lie to yourself. That yeah, you know, yeah, these people, and because you could have quite easily got in there and just been convinced by them all and become one of them. But I, like, I, <laughs> I kind of, I really wanted to, but uh, my girlfriend yeah. at the time, who is now my wife, um, she yeah. has the, a very good rational brain. And she's like, these yeah. people are fucked. <laughs> what are you listening? Yeah, to? I'm pretty like, lucky. Joey does the same for me. Yeah, my, my fiance, she's. She kind I mean, of I find me right. my, like she's very rational. So like, even if I'm watching something too far out, she comes in and give me an eyebrow raise. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's probably a bit far. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but that's why when you read, no one knows what the fuck you're reading. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. <laughs> so aliens are your other love, are they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that came from just pop culture. Um, yeah, growing up watching the movies and that kind of stuff, and and. I mean, let's be honest, found drugs, did mushrooms, DMT, acid, a lot of that kind of stuff Mm. uh, through my teens and early 20s. That kind of gave me a little bit more of it. Like I'd still not experienced anything or anything like that. It was just an interest in in general space and the idea that something else is out there. I thought it was always pretty ignorant and arrogant to think that we're the only ones in this, you know, massive universe. So I was always on the side of, of probability. And then, yeah, I think a few mushroom trips, a few DMT trips, I'd sort of seen some shit, met some shit, being taken out of the space. And it gave me an idea of like, you know, possibility of different realities and realms and stuff. And then uh, I was lucky enough, I was driving across another ball with a mate and we saw quite a big UFO. Really? Um, I was just about to like ask if you've seen anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> give me, yeah, give like me, give me. See-through <laughs> triangle UFO floating over the top of us in our like four-wheel drive cane across the Nullarbor. So, Do you say see-through? Man, I don't know. Yeah. It was like full predator style. Like it, we saw 
the point of it. So all right, set the scene, drive down the Nullarbor, and like I'm driving, Benny's in the passenger seat, and we're looking out the front, the front um, windscreen, and I could see like a a disc shaped see through, like it was a, like a nice big ellipse, like an oval shape. Mm. And it was an oval because I could tell it was a circle, but it was on an angle. So I could mm. see the perspective of it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I can see this thing. And it showed Benny. I realized that it had like two lines coming off the front of it back towards like when I, I looked out my passenger window and I could see the line kept going until it hit another like see-through disc. And then I told Benny, check your side. It was another one on his. So I was like, man, it's a fucking huge triangle. And hard to gauge any size, but it would have, you know, it's hundreds of meters across. Really? And it was sort of over the top of us, see-through. You could see the clouds, but you could see the edges of, of it. And then we could see, like, we were starting to, like, like not lose it. But like, holy shit, you know, it's above us. What the hell is it? The whole thing. It must have stayed above us for half an hour to an hour. And we're still cruising along at, like, 120, 150 You're dri- hour. driving the whole time. Yep. Because it was, like, basically staying over the top of us. And it started, like, going up higher and, like, you know, we're on like the Nullarbor, you got the 90 miles straight. So there's no other roads to go or anything. It could have gone wherever the fuck it wanted, but it was staying pretty much over us. And it was starting to get to that point of like late hour. So the sun was coming down into like the cloud line, making sky really like dark in front of the clouds and then really bright behind it. So we started to see little crafts coming off the big one, shooting out into the clouds. And you could see the light popping through the clouds. And we were basically just at the point of enjoying it then. We mm. like, we couldn't film anything. It was all too vague and too, you know, like it was, it was all see-through and tiny, like things coming off this big, you know, big see-through craft. And then it started to get dark. The sun was like coming down. It was starting to veer off and we got to a point where we could pull over to a truck stop and we pulled off in the truck stop and sat there for another hour watching it go off in the distance. And then just sitting on top of the car, we saw like a small flashing craft a couple of k's away like in front of a big like mountain range where we saw the big craft disappear just flashing on and off and like swooping up and it was like a pendulum where mm. the pendulum was getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it just fucking shot off into the air and yeah me and betty like we tried to get video of that we got the tail end of it it looked shit as <laughs> and we we both kind of felt weird after it after the thing had kind of like gone off and we saw this other one pretty close to us We've been sitting on top of the car. I think we had like a celebration spliff because we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and then we both started to like trip out a little bit and like felt weird. And like that was a that was a strange experience. And we're like, oh man, we just kind of took it in and they just kept driving. Wow. Uh, I've never really I've seen a couple little things, but nothing I, like that. I used to say before that that I'd seen something, like a light going off in the distance in the wrong fucking angle. And but after that, I'm like, nah, that that was the one. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit! Did that send your? Did that at all affect your kind of uh, affect your life? Like, did you kind of start researching obsessively, or did you just kind of accept that? Wow, that's. Uh, I think uh, it was just it was reassurance and like acceptance of like all this shit. Like I was probably dealt more before that, hmm. and then that was like holy crap! That was like I've seen something now. There's no need to be like oh what if in this video what if this is real. So now if I watch shit, um. I think I'm more open to be like, I'm not like, oh, that's fake. Oh, that's easily made. Cause yeah, I know they're all easily made. And I've tried to film on myself now and seen how hard it was in the excitement and watching and being like, oh, fuck, film it. You know, it's, oh, it's gone. Like, <laughs> mm. so now I watch it and I'm like, oh, man, everyone's just got a phone. And, <laughs> and 
I think at the moment with everyone locked away inside, there's a huge amount of sightings. Uh, right. I think whatever's out there seems to know that we're all locked away after a fucking, after a certain time. And the amount of, I follow quite a few UFO pages and mm. there's shit everywhere at the moment. But yeah. There's the flip side of that too, that me and my mate were talking about the conspiracy side again, that when the government starts saying that, yeah, UFOs aren't from this planet, we don't know what they are that they've had a lot of time to engineer some shit and they can just fly around in their UFOs now. Yeah. It's pretty weird how so, that's all come out and there hasn't been a huge stink about it, has there? It's pretty weird. Much, huh? It's really... Um, well, because I think most of the people that are already on the side of it are like, oh, yeah, finally. And then the rest of the people aren't going to be easily convinced. And like you said, no mass media. Like there hasn't been a big uproar or anything about it. So I think it's basically just the people that are already like for it are like, yeah, right, sweet, we know. And then I don't really feel like the rest of them have been that that pushed into the idea. There's so much other crap going on. It was like, oh, quick, sneak it in now. Mm. Like, yeah. Disclosure's been coming for a long time. And I don't know. It's always been interesting how they were going to do it. I yeah. think it's pretty funny that Tom DeLong was one of the first ones to spur on the first <laughs> one. Did you see that? Yeah, man. Do you listen to that uh, one with him and Rogan and stuff? Like, I haven't actually watched that, but I just uh, I saw uh, like you know all these releases being from the Navy and all the rest of it uh, yeah. coming back. Yep, gotcha. So uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> that Blink One Eight Two guy. Yeah, especially like right. growing up in that era that we did, and you're like, hey, that guy that literally was a fuckwit on TV playing in a pop punk band. He was the first one to get UFOs like released and classified. You're like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's, um that's the generation now. I'm pretty sure Robbie Williams, you know that pop dude, the English pop guy? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he stopped yeah. making music for a while to chase UFOs. No I'll, shit. I'll have to look that up, but yeah, it's always just the weirdest like you that wouldn't That wouldn't surprise think. me. He's like he's pretty out there, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of his music, but I actually quite like him. He's he'll yeah. do whatever the fuck. Yeah. He's seen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd be all right to have a beer with him, sure. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, funny. Wow, that's um <laughs> Fuck, that's so cool, man. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been pretty, pretty lucky, pretty privileged. I mean, I've told a few people the story. People, some people think you're fucking nuts. Some people just ask me what drugs I was on, and you know, whatever. But I don't care. I was pretty lucky. I got to experience something, whether it was mm. even if it was my own brain playing tricks. I couldn't give a fuck, man. It's, it's yep. pretty interesting. Well, it's good that you have a, a buddy to collaborate the story with. That was the best part. Yeah. Was, uh, having someone else seeing the same thing with you and you're like, no shit. Are you mm. seeing it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck, dude. That's so, so mean, cool. Like, I, I get a lot of people ask me now, you know, like I oh, get into all the Stephen Greer and all his like, you know, like sightings and stuff like that. I think there's definitely people that are like still a bit too far out there with heaps of shit. I think know, Stephen Greer is a bit too far for me. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Quite... That, that was a bit my limit. So, yeah. So, uh, Yep, I don't buy you know, it. There's, but there's believing and then there's, you know, there's people that are kind of selling something with mm. the belief, Yep, I think. Yep. For yeah. me, I was like, really, there's not going to be much until I see a fucking alien on TV or some shit like that, unless I meet it myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of just have the idea if there's still something out there. I was lucky enough to see some kind of craft or something, but yeah. Fuck, that's Until awesome. I get that actual... Uh, that concrete shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so cool though like, i mean it, sorry no you go no i was just going to say it's really cool how you've um you've managed to kind of bring all your interests into your art practice and um you yeah know, yeah that, that's pretty much where i was about to go with that i think the change that it made was 
you know, I started painting and drawing a lot of alien stuff and, you know, it became more and more part of what I did and all the cult stuff and all the conspiracy stuff. I went through a lot of stages of sort of just drawing and painting up. Probably like what you were saying, pretty similar when it like clouds your brain and you kind of start looking at the whole world as this one big conspiracy. Mm. It came through a lot in my art, um, whether it was like religious stuff or, you know, like fucking whatever. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the alien stuff, I was pretty open to like, uh, like I start when I think when you like open your mind to the idea of like one, then it becomes many, and then it becomes a a creative. It's a fun process thinking of it. So, all right, aliens exist. What do they look like? How can I paint them different? What would it look like like this? What's there? You know, where they live? What are they made out of? Like all that kind of crap. So it was just this other avenue to explore all different stuff, um, creatively. Anyway, it's like character design. Dude, have you seen this film called Color Out of Space? No, it sounds kind of familiar. Man, you'll love it. Have you seen Mandy? Yeah. No. Okay, these are two two films, same same (laughs) director that you've got to to see. Mandy is basically Nicolas Cage losing his shit. It's like a revenge movie. But the whole thing is like... Like the whole visuals is almost inspired by heavy metal covers. It's really yeah, weird. Cool. And Color Out of Space is the same same director, but an alien uh, movie where this alien takes the form of a new color that no one's seen and then wreaks havoc. Um, uh, I like yeah, the idea. Yeah, never, never mind. And then, but, speaking of movies and alien shit, have you seen Rucker? Rucker. Haven't even heard of it. Uh, R-A-double-K-A. It's like you watch it. It's a YouTube at the moment, like 20-minute movie made by Neil Bloomkamp, Mm -hmm. um, who's done like a heap of cool movies. And it's basically reptilians coming down, enslaving the world and fucking making like body piles out of us and farming us and like adding technology into us. And he's trying to do this like uh, crowdfunding thing for a movie where he doesn't want anyone else's influence and he's trying to do this entire thing and I'm trying to think of like what other movies he made. Um, Bloom Camp did. I don't know. A few alien movies are pretty fucking cool. So I would definitely say go go check out Rucker. Rucker, especially on all the subjects. Yeah, all the subjects we just talked about. It's it's down that full like rabbit hole, but it's good to watch. Yeah. Just the visuals itself, like seeing these like humanoid reptilians walking around, and they've kind of like covered the entire Apple Tower with like a body pile to make like a nest and. It's, Pretty fucking cool, Sick. and of course it's got Sigourney. It's got Sigourney Weaver in it. It's not an alien movie without Sigourney Weaver. So. <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the, it's a couple of years old now. I think the hope was to make it into a full movie, but I think just the way the world's gone at the moment, that's halted that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned like rep- reptilians. It, it's so funny because uh, you would have read a bit of David Icke, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't you I find it going to one of his seminars? Uh, so did I. I was, I was, uh, yeah. I was close, but um, it was, it was expensive, yeah. man. It was expensive, and then he got uh, banned. Yeah, more the fact it was twelve hours. I was yeah. like, ah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I can sit there and watch him for like an hour or two. I was like, oh, he ruined my brain. I think after twelve hours. Yeah, but this is. I find the weirdest thing now. Um, you know, particularly with all this Jeffrey Epstein stuff that's come out. Um, yep. So much of the shit that uh, seems to be coming out that's true now, they were harping on ab- yep. about like 10 years ago. I remember. Yeah, for a long time. Huh? I remember seeing. I mean, like, yeah. Mike's got his crazy side, but he definitely got his like other rational side of like, you know, when I was saying before, there's a lot of sides of conspiracy theory. Some of them are not so hectic and I, I agree with him, mm. um, which I, I believe a lot of his is like recycled talk. And then you can tell where he starts kicking into his like really fucking 
pretty far out there sort of theories. Yeah, the moon's uh, a, a built object, shit like that. Oh, uh, yeah, I love them too because, they're, you know, we still, there's not a whole lot of people that can disprove a lot of shit unless you go to these places mm. or, you know, unless you go fucking strip the queen down and see whether she's got fucking reptile eyes. Like, <laughs> to me, that's all too far. But, I mean, it's it's a nice little story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's all based on it's all based on shit that we really have no idea. So it just allows these people to to give it a crack. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, another aspect so, of your art that oh that you seem to use like symbol symbolism and stuff would be like yep. occultism and Satanism and stuff. Um, yeah. Are you have you read much about Satanism? Yeah, a bit. But I mean, it's. I think I play on it more than anything. Mm, like, yeah. it's not really something I believe in that much. I mean, Satanism, to what I know, is like Anselm Bay and shit like that. I'm, I think it's a bit more of a, I don't know, candy cult where it's just like fucking kids want to think it's cool because it's metal, like yeah, you were saying yeah, before. Okay. But I think really like the values of Satanism and shit is the whole, you know, just don't follow normal religion and kind of do what you want as long as it's not. I and mean, a lot of people think it's, immoral shit and hurting people and stuff and the people that i know that call themselves satanists they're not like that you know they're kind mm. of very free-willed and animal lovers and all that kind of shit i think if anything i like to play on the imagery and like shock value of it all like yeah. being brought up catholic i love doing the whole upside down crosses and all that just <laughs> to get a bit of a kick yeah uh, i think the whole idea of like imagery and all that it's very powerful to people like the i learned before Freemasonry, but even within Freemasonry, how powerful symbolism is and the way they use it. And, you know, forget that, but even just like symbolism within your brain is more powerful than writing or anything like that. It's when you've got left brain, right brain, you know, your left brain will be logical and tell you and spell out what that symbol is, you know, whether it's just a triangle itself. But way before your brain can process, spell it and work out everything, your, your right brain has process the symbol in this little category and knows the feeling of it so uh it's very powerful uh compared to big imagery and text so i find that even this tiny little symbol that's like planted in a big artwork can overpower shit and like draw people's attention and give them an idea of the the overall piece so, so I, I love to play on that um, yeah yep. i make up my own symbols i've i've gone so far back into like symbols all throughout history and cultures and everything and the cool thing is they all kind of have very similar meanings without cultures that have ever met each other. So, I mean, you could make your own up and, you know, convey an idea or a feeling or, a, you know, whatever you're trying to do with that symbol. And, um, yeah, I mean, a different part of someone's brain is going to process that and be different for everyone, but it's crazy how many people will get the same feeling because of it, because it's such an ancient thing. Hmm. The symbols were around long time before text or anything like that. So, you know, if we go with this Graham Hancock idea that we've been around for a long, long time, and maybe we didn't have language for a while or writing, symbols and those sort of things would have been used. Found, you know, there's been a lot of symbols found in cave paintings that are forty thousand years old and twenty thousand years old, stuff like that. So, I think it's just a very ingrained, archaic thing in us. Mm. And it looks cool. Yep. And it looks fucking cool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Fills it fills spots sometimes when yeah. you <laughs> when you go you don't know what to put in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw people yeah. off too. I, th I remember yeah, like exactly, yeah. there is a one or two Alex Gray paintings that I've because I got his book years ago and yep. if you, if you look like down deep in the corner you'll see like a little Illuminati 
triangle with the eye yep. in it or something and you're like why the fuck did he put it in there and then it just sends you on a whole nother yeah you're right it can throw the whole piece off for, for you a bit yeah it makes you think in a, mm. in a totally different way you kind of approach the piece a little bit differently now you're like why has he put that there why does this got in relation to the rest of the painting yeah yeah but i mean i even the fact that you call it illuminati eye that's how powerful that thing has become and, and you know ingrained into people this all-seeing eye this powerful eye in a triangle and that that symbol itself is 10 times older than Illuminati or Freemasonry. Really? And it's just been adopted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, what they would have called like the sun cult. I mean, it's, it's Egyptian, if anything, but it's also pre Egyptian. So Sumerian stuff like that. So uh, the eye of providence or the, the, you know, the sun cult, the eye of God, the eye of Ra, whatever, it's, it's all kind of translates through the same thing. So that has been powerful for people for thousands and thousands of years and always conveyed an idea or a message. And then it's been adopted through certain things over the years as well. So Freemasonry, because it adopts the same ideas of, you know, the sun and like the way they built the pyramids and like, you know, it's, uh, you've got speculative masonry, which is what we do. We speculate on how they build stuff. And then you've got operative masonry, which is them actually making shit. And a lot of what we do is based on that. So, you know, the sun in the pyramid in the building, but really that was way older. It's and then same deal with the Masons. I mean, with the Illuminati stuff. It was just they knew how powerful that symbol was, mm. so they used that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So yeah. you you've um so you're not tattooing it, I assume at the moment. That's um nope. that's all. How how no, long? That's all out. Is that fucking you up, um, or are you are you using this time to kind of harness your other art practice? I see paintings in the background. I've seen some. some yeah, yeah, I got other other stuff in front of me. I've been doing a little bit of lino cutting stuff. Sick, awesome, and a bit of printing. What else mm. have I got? Yeah, bro. So, I mean, it's this is the first time I've ever not been able to sort of just work and do what I do. You know, after after traveling and stuff, and I got into tattooing. I've worked pretty hard for eleven years traveling around Australia, doing expos, tattooing five or six days a week, painting at night, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then, yeah, when COVID come in and we kind of got put in that first isolation, I didn't really think it was going to be that long. I thought, you know, a couple of weeks, sweet, have a bit of a break, do some painting. You know, I, I don't really feel like I can get a break with tattooing because it's, mm. it's so constant. And like you said, I do big pieces. So people are always like in demand to finish off pieces. So I never really felt like I would, could get a break tattooing. It was always just go away to a different country, tattoo for half of it, have you know a week off, whatever. Uh, and then this was like, all right, sick, forced. Don't really have much of a choice. So I sat around, I painted, and I tried to do some like Zoom classes teaching because uh, I really started to miss the teaching element, not having my apprentices around and, and stuff like that. Uh, so it started to push me into like what else I like besides tattooing, which I think was a pretty good opportunity. Uh, and that was very much teaching and talking about what I like doing. So I started, I, I got a studio and I started taking on a couple of people, um, just what I could within the regulations. Uh, that was mostly like in between the two ISOs. And then the second ISO came in, I had to pack up my studio, get rid of it. Uh, I've had to like say goodbye to the tattoo studio just so I can get, you know, um, a bit of government support. And yeah. Then, yeah, bro, I've not tattooed properly since March, whatever it was, March, April. 
Wow, that's uh, ages. In, in, yeah, long time. Like the longest since I've started. So the longest I would have had off was like four to six weeks max, like once or twice in my 10, 11 years. And then now months, uh, I've only done a few tattoos, you know, in the last few months when I was in between those two isolations and mm. all that kind of stuff. And, and it, now it's been back to back to painting. Has it been somewhat refreshing at all or is it just like a big fucking stick in the works? A part of it was, yeah. but yeah, then like anything, like past two weeks, I mean, I can't stay in the house for longer than two days normally. Yeah, if man. I have two days <laughs> off, like if I have two days off on a normal weekend, by the second day I'm fucking losing it and I end up like go and take the dog for a walk go do something you know whatever so actually being forced in the house now is like mentally very hard um, for a while like my bipolar and that kind of stuff is playing up uh, a bit more anxiety and depression just just sitting around sort of not being allowed to do what I normally do mm. uh, and not getting that human interaction with someone uh you know, like I talk conspiracies and this shit like you and me are all day with my client. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like to not get that out, I was like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, even just talking about world events and stuff, I don't want to do my missus head in with all that stuff. Mm, mm. You know, so I need, I, you know, I realize I do need that human interaction, whether it's a client or like someone else to paint with or whatever. So I found myself doing a lot more FaceTime with people. Like I'm sitting there painting or drawing or, you know, they're doing the same. Or, yeah. So I, I found that, as much as it sucks, it I've really tried to see it as opportunity. So I've really tried to see it as, like you said, the time to like put some stuff down, enjoy having a break from tattooing, enjoy getting back into painting. You know, my painting now it's like a client that doesn't move or talk, so yeah. I can kind of come back to it or don't have to worry so much. And yep. other things I've wanted to do, I've wanted to film and do you know my time lapse videos and stuff like that. that that's, you know, they're a day or two is worth of effort. And when you've only got a day or two off and back to tattooing full time, it's just too much. So, mm. uh, yeah, I've been able to do other shit, I yeah. guess, that I wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. And little projects. I've done a lot of merch, which has been fun. Yeah, I saw, man. Um, you, I've actually just realized, like, masks are the best way you can support your fucking artist friends, I've realized. Cause it's about that at the moment. I don't, yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't buy art, but I've realized so many of my artist friends are making yep. masks. I've just been fucking buying them left, right, and center because why not? Yeah. It's, what does it cost, 30 bucks? Yeah, exactly. You know? I've had the support of people like, that would normally come and spend over $1,000 getting tattooed or whatever that are happy to buy my you know three, four, $500 pieces of art, even my couple of grand pieces of art, stuff like that to help support. So. It's also been a little bit nice to see that I don't have to tattoo and I can still support myself being an artist, mm. you know, painting. And I say it's hustling, but really it's pretty fun. You know, we yeah. paint and sell shit. And same with the merch stuff, you know, it's, it's work when you've got to pack it all up, send it out and go, you know, do that kind of stuff. But really it's designing and it's pretty satisfying seeing your shit come up printed on stuff. And so uh, yeah, that's been rewarding. It's also you know, it's financially it's helped me out too. It's, I put a lot of money into it, but if you do it properly, you get something out of it. And, you know, I reinvest into myself a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't buy fancy cars and fancy clothes and shit like that. I just buy more art gear and, yeah. you know, more stuff to sell. And yeah. Yeah. Good keeps stuff. Keeps me going. Yeah. Yeah. Have you um thought about any, would you get another face tattoo? Anything? Any, oh, yeah. There's or, always room for another one. Is there anything else that you've like, any kind of body modification that you've flirted with the idea that, you know, something Ooh. that still you'd like to shock yourself with? I got an implant. I've got scarification. What's the I implant? I used to have a glow in the implant's like a upside down cross on my finger. I don't know if you can see it in the right light. Sick. It's a little one. Um, <laughs> 
I had a glow in the dark implant in my ear. No shit. Uh, fuck, what else? I've had my nipples injected with ink. I was going to chop them off, but the, my, <laughs> my bod mod guy convinced me not to. <laughs> chop both your nipples my, off. My logic was that people have this like amazing artwork on their front and then it looks like people have just thrown a couple of like, they're like, imagine the Mona Lisa on the wall and then you just launch two pieces of pepperoni at it. Yeah. Watch fucking them, like, nipple. Just fucking slide down it. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> fuck it, get rid of them. And the guy who does all my pod mods, Luna Cobra, he, um, he's got rid of his and we know some other people have done it and he's like, you don't want to do it. It's not worth it. Uh, so he convinced me to, uh, to inject mine with black black ink because i'm on a black as fuck and my belly button solid black and <laughs> i got my palm done Sick. Uh, I've, I've explored most of the that community and yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing left is like tattoo my eyeballs which i wouldn't do and, man you know, is there a, a dude that works with pieces. you i think i saw a dude that yeah, works dead with cherub, yep. man yeah. so okay i'm sure you i'm sure you've got the lowdown from him tattooing oh, yeah, eyeballs I've, I've heard the story ten thousand times how does it around him, yeah how does it happen so, I mean, like Without getting too much into it, it's like you got the white of your eye is one dome, the color is another dome. So it's like a dome on a dome. Mm. So you're sticking within the white. And then if you put any ink on that white, it's not going to get up over the color part. So you're pretty safe there. But you've just got to film on the white of the eye and you just need to get under it with a, it's a syringe, not like a tattoo needle. And it's a oh tiny God. little like, you'd say incision and then they'd fill in between the film of the white of the eye and you watch it you do a couple around the eye and it like bubbles and then breaks out across the rest of it so how many injections it's It's not like every dot everyone different right no no no, like six to eight something like that and i've seen people do one eye and then can't do the other one have to come back and it's not (laughs) because it hurts it's just you have no pain receptors on the actual eyeball it's all just psychological it's no just shit. sit there with your eye open, look that way, don't fucking move, don't fucking blink. <laughs> Man, yep. that's next level yeah, shit, hey. Yeah, so everybody asks Cherub, they're like, how much does it hurt? And he's like, didn't hurt at all. But he's like, psychologically, worst thing I've ever done. Yeah. He did one and then came back like months later and did the other one. Yeah. Do, yep. do you know if he, is he happy as Larry with it? Is he? Yeah, he loves it. Loves yeah, it. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. He, he loves like, he's happy as to have it. He doesn't mind the questions. He's a pretty outgoing, happy person. So it's mm. like people might be a little bit scared, like the whole just, you know, aesthetics. But then as soon as he talks to you, he's so fucking happy and bubbly and everything that like everyone loves him. So yeah, yeah he has not really had any issues. He's had the standard people that are going to call you an idiot or whatever, but you know, whatever. It's nothing, pretty amazing. Nothing real bad. Mm. Yeah. But because of being around him, I don't think I'd ever do it because he, he doesn't mind the attention. I don't want that much attention. Yeah. It's literally... Like I traveled Taiwan with him, man, and like yeah. we were getting stopped and like pulled and like photo sessions and then paparazzi style around our booth. Oh, bro, it's fucking hectic. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fun. Don't get me wrong. And I, he, you know, it's standing there and he's trying to tell him all that I tattooed all his face, all he's like half naked getting photos, and I was just standing back like, have fun, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck, yeah, buddy. Wow. What? So, what's Taiwan so, like? Are they are they pretty conservative or is it kind of a bit like? You know, no, reasonably, they were like, we got a few stairs and stuff like that, but nothing too bad. Uh, I think they were more, it was more interest, if anything, but mm. no, yeah, reasonably conservative country. Yeah. And yeah. It was amazing, though. It's got a lot of like, we tattooed in uh, Guangzhou, uh, which is like the old, the old capital um, mm. before Taipei. So we're pretty lucky. We got to explore like a nice old countryside and like see some pretty authentic sort of, you know, Taiwanese people out that way and, and then explore the city and stuff. And, 
yeah, man, we had a ball. People were, were beautiful people and yeah, it was good. I definitely mm. go back there. Yeah, you I just realized you could totally just use your tattoo um to to travel for all the different conventions That's, and stuff. Yeah, that was a big part of, you know, after traveling and, you know, when we traveled and and then coming home and trying to work out what I wanted to do and you get that travel bug, you don't want to stop doing mm. it. So looking at jobs and I looked at tattooists and I'd always known, you know, every every tattoo magazine I used to pick up was, uh, you know, this tattooist, you know, did this tattoo in this country. And you're like, well, he's not from there. What the fuck? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there was always this like gypsy culture to it um, that attracted me as well. So then as soon as I felt like I was at a point where I'd done tattoo expos in Australia and I'd won a few awards um, that I was at the level that I was like, fuck it, it's time to go overseas and, you know, put myself amongst some of these, some of these other guys and, I've been pretty lucky now. I've gone back to Europe and Germany and London, tattooed, uh, tattooed like New Zealand, all around Australia countless times. Uh, they America. fly you over? Nah, most of the time we pay for the flights and then like if we get lucky, they'll pay for our like a booth and accommodation mm. or something like that. Yeah, you kind of yeah. like work out a bit of a deal. Mm. Normally with our sponsorships, we'll get like one or two expos, you know, in a, so say one in my country, one in another country paid for and, and stuff like that. If you organize like some good deals, most of the time it's just free product and bit of promo and yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's why, you know, when we're traveling, we still have to charge a fair bit. We're going to cover all those expenses and yeah. shit like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Now a lot of that's on, I mean, you, when you see a lot of tattooists traveling around and stuff, it's all on them. You yeah. Know, you just get lucky here and there if you get a free booth or something like that. Sick. It's just part of it. How hey, you want to travel? Fuck it. It's worth paying the money. And if you can get paid along the way doing tattoos, why not? Fuck yeah, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, my phone's going to die. I'm just going to have to plug it in real quick. Cool, man. Cheers, man. You gotcha. Yeah, we're back. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> phone died, I assume. Yeah, always standard. Yep, yep. Nah. So, yeah, you're not... <laughs> you're just uh, doing yeah, everything through phone internet, aren't you? I am at the moment, yeah. yeah. Only just because how internet MBN has dropped out the last few days here at the house. So, yeah. unfortunately, it's been like, yeah, phone data, which quite annoying the amount of like screens and ipads and computers we use now man yeah yeah it's a pain seriously (laughs) (laughs) but we can get by so that's all right yeah fuck yeah you're just bumming around for the rest of the uh weekend yeah yeah i do a little bit training i'm lucky enough i bought a heap of gym equipment in between these two isos so fucking i'll fucking smash out some squats after this yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) sick i just started running man i was just like i'm such a lazy piece of shit i've just done fucking no exercise for like all my life so i'm trying to break that habit now yeah. but um same i figured like like i skated and all that shit back in the day so that was easy now mm. now it's like too hard on the body too many like injuries so i had to find other shit and yeah i couldn't do group sports and shit man so i was like gym i never ever thought i'd be in the gym yeah but it's actually pretty good just put on the headphones have an hour to yourself it's almost it's more like meditation than like any sport or anything mm. yeah so and I found a way to be lazy and train. I don't have to go for a run. I just do some squats. Do squats. Yeah. <laughs> Zone out. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, it, dude. Yeah. Um, I'll it's probably... like a real good chat. Yeah. Uh, let's do it again anyway. Yeah, we'd love to, man. Dude, you should get your own podcast, man. You're fucking, yeah, you got some cool shit to talk about. I had about. one years ago, bro. Oh, right. No shit. If you go and look on my YouTube page, there's like 10 or so podcasts I did. It's called The Tattooed Mind. The Tattooed Mind. And it's Mind. just me and a dude in America sitting there smoking bongs talking about tattoos. <laughs> smoking bongs. 
yeah, that's it awesome. didn't kick off because of the smoking bong spot. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. We thought we were a bit ahead of the time. We are like, oh, it's going to be legal everywhere. Let's just smoke weed on YouTube and talk about tattoos. Yeah. A lot of people liked it, but it just we never got any exposure or tried to push it or anything. Yeah, so. yeah. it's more work than I you think, think uh, as well. Oh, so much, man. Mm, like yeah. trying to organize people for time. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, fuck, man, I'll leave you hanging. I've been there before. With oh, people. man, like, all nah, good, I'm dude. Back, I'm coming back. <laughs> dude, there's, no- yeah, there's nothing. My schedule is zero, so all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been. Well, I was trying to do it with a dude in America, so we were always trying to work out times, mm. which made it fuck hard. Yeah. It was always like two in the morning for him or three in the morning for me. Or, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, fucking nightmare. <laughs> dude, um, yeah. thank you so much for the chat, man. It's so fucking good to reconnect with you, dude, um, after all yeah, these years. Too, My pleasure, and thank you very much for having me on here and even just, yeah, like you said, just having a chat again, man. Like, we yeah. got pretty lucky. We, you know, connected years ago while we were overseas traveling, and it's been amazing to see you painting and stuff as well, bro. It's the same deal. It's not something I knew that was in you, and, like, your, your stuff is amazing. So Thanks so yeah, much, bro. dude. It's, if you're um, oh, man, no. if you're uh, yeah, bored maybe because uh, if you're doing teaching and stuff, uh, maybe I, th- I just had an idea. I've seen people doing like Zoom live painting and shit, which is just a good excuse yeah, to hang yeah. out with artists painting. So maybe I should hit you up for something like that. That could be a fun thing. Yeah, definitely, bro. I've been doing a little bit of that, and um, I'll do another one pretty soon for everyone. Just like a free, just jump in so you can sit along and drink or paint along or whatever. So. Fuck yeah, yeah. Man, it is, it's definitely a good way to connect with people and do something creative. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, how do people how do people find you and get um, see all your gnarly tattoos and uh, and get onto your merch and stuff? Uh, so easiest one is my Instagram, which I'm on every day. It's yeah. uh, at Insomnia, so like Insomnia but with an A, Insomnia. Uh, and then I've got Insomnia.com.au, which will direct you to most of my big cartel for merch. Um, insamnia.bigartel.com for merch uh, I sell all my artworks on ArtPal so insamnia.artpal.com or ArtPal uh, forward slash whatever you'll find on there it's a pretty good um, art selling page for everyone else that wants to try sell their art as well um, yeah that's most of the socials I'm on Facebook and everything else but I never checked that so Instagram if you want to find me yeah fuck yeah awesome yeah. man really that's- appreciate the chat dude and uh, once this is all over do you, do you, you drink you drink or yeah, bro. Yeah. Have a bit of a drink. I'm That's more of a smoker. Um, Sweet. I got some weed right here in front of me, but I, <laughs> I definitely have a drink here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a beer and all this is done, man. <laughs> definitely, bro. Definitely. When all this COVID shit's done, we can actually hang out again. Let's Fuck yeah. Yep, I'm down. Awesome, man. Cheers. Thanks for listening, right, everyone. Bro. Take it easy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, mm. guys. See you later.